and my name is Ashley Klimmer. I'm the Director of Programs and Community Engagement. And on behalf of the entire board and staff, welcome to the Rothko Chapel. We're grateful for your presence this evening and for taking time to be here in community with us all. I'd like to begin with some special thanks. Tonight's program is truly a community effort, so I'd like to lift up the many who've helped to create and support tonight's program. Our executive director, David Leslie, who's in the back. My colleagues, Kelly Johnson, over here in the corner. Caitlin Farrell and Chiquita Jones, who welcomed you all as you entered. And the many staff and volunteers that you see around here tonight with the name tags. Also our incredible presenters, Claire Villarreal and Shanti Flagg, who I'll introduce shortly. And our community partners who've helped to get this word out about the event and who are here with us tonight. I'd like to welcome Houston Women's Home, Daya, and Houston Area Women's Center. So please join me in thanking all of them. And I have all these words written down, so I'm going to be reading a lot, just letting you know. I'm going to try to look at you as much as I can. Um, today marks a globally recognized day when we celebrate women for their achievements and successes, irrespective of their ethnic, linguistic, economic, and political backgrounds. On this day, all over the world, women are gathered in protest and strike and gathering around a multitude of topics. This evening, we gather here in the Rothko Chapel and International Women's Day to lift up women in this room and all over the world who are survivors of sexual violence. Now I wanna share a couple statistics with you all. According to the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, around one-third of women worldwide have experienced physical and or sexual violence by an intimate partner or sexual violence by a non-partner at some point in their lives. In the majority of countries, less than 40% of the women who experience violence sought help or any sort, and among those who did, most looked to family and friends as opposed to the police and health services. In almost all the countries with available data, the percentage of women who sought police help out of all women who sought assistance was less than 10%. In many countries, both men and women believe that wife beating is justified in certain circumstances. And the statistics go on. We also gather this evening in appreciation and support of all those individuals and organizations both in our community and around the globe who dedicate their lives in support of those who've experienced sexual assault. Tonight we stand together in solidarity, reminding ourselves that we are more powerful when we stand together than alone. We also give ourselves this moment to sit, feel a sense of community, and gift ourselves with this time of healing. And last, this evening, we come together collectively to help strengthen our own resolve, both as individuals and community at large, to work as change agents promoting the timeless and sacred cause of both peace and justice. So now what I'd like to do is take this moment. I'd like to invite you to turn to your neighbor. Don't do it yet. Ideally, someone that you don't know. Um, but if you do, that's OK, too and introduce yourself, share your name, and just briefly share one reason why you're here tonight. And I'm gonna give you all five minutes, so you each have about two minutes, and I'll let you know when to switch. Happy International Women's Day. International Women's Day. Okay.
Okay, everyone. If you just say your final words. <laughs> Okay, everyone, we're going to stop now. The good news is, can I get everyone's attention, please? The good news is we're going to have a reception on the plaza after the program. So for the, all the words you didn't get a chance to share, you're going to have an opportunity to eat and drink and talk more. So now I'm going to talk a little bit more about tonight's program and introduce our presenters and get started. So leading tonight's experience are two chapel friends, one long time and one new. It's my pleasure to welcome Claire Villarreal, who will facilitate tonight's experience and lead us through a series of moments, including silence and meditation. Claire has been practicing and studying Buddhism since 1997 and administers Don Mountain's programs and teaches meditation here in Houston. Shanti Flagg, visiting tonight from Baltimore, Maryland, is an artist and collective member at FORCE, a creative activist collaborative created to upset the culture of rape and promote a culture of consent. FORCE designs communication campaigns to generate media attention and get millions of people talking. So hopefully you all had an opportunity to see the selection of quilt displayed on the chapel grounds as you entered. Shanti will be sharing more about FORCE, the process of creating healing spaces, and the power of sharing th stories through quilting. She'll also lead us in an, another moment of community sharing. So see, there's gonna be more, more time, more time to talk. Okay. Um, before uh, Claire begins, I would like to ask, in honor of this time together, this sacred space, and our program facilitators, that you turn off your cell phones and refrain from any photography. The program is being documented by photography and an audio recording, so you will have the opportunity to view these. They'll be available on our website after the program. So now we're going to turn to our presenters. Thank you, Claire. Thank you for having us mm -hmm. here, and um, thank you all for coming. This feels very much already like a, a group event that we're doing together. Uh, and I just wanted to explain a little something about the meditative uh, practices that we'll do tonight before we start them. Uh, so as I was thinking about the theme of, you know, violence and assault and consent, it really, it kept coming back to shame and disconnection for me. So uh, the meditations that I'd like to do kind of work with that dynamic of, of healing ourselves of these feelings of shame or unworthiness. And even if you haven't been a survivor of any kind of sexual assault, we all have these feelings. So whoever you are, whatever your background, we can all kind of tune into those feelings. But then the beauty of that is we turn it into compassion. So Brene Brown writes about um, shame, and she writes about it really as the opposite, not of pride, but of connection. So we're gonna work tonight on reconnecting with ourselves, connecting with the earth, connecting with each other, all as ways of healing that sense of disconnection or disempowerment that often we feel. So, you know, we're going to tap into the power of compassion tonight. So I'd like to just begin with a little exercise um, to help us kind of get centered and grounded. So if you're able to kind of sit up straight, um, that's preferable. If you're not, I guess you wouldn't already be sitting on a bench. Um, <laughs> So from, from the base of the body, you can kind of just feel into your contact with the bench. You can feel into your feet on the floor. 
I like to rest my hands on my legs. Um, you can obviously rest them like this, but for the purpose of this meditation, it might be better to do them like this. Uh, if you feel comfortable with it, you can just let your eyes gently close. If that's not comfortable for you, you can keep them open, but just kind of relaxed and gazing a little bit downward. So I'm going to begin this meditation with the bell, and then we'll use the breath to bring the mind into the body. So to begin with, we can imagine the breath flowing in full of energy, full of energy that will support the transformation of disconnection into compassion. So we'll take three long, deep breaths into the body. Now, with the next three out-breaths, we can imagine that any obstacles to cultivating real connection with ourselves and others, real compassion for ourselves and others, we release all those obstacles with the out-breath, and they dissolve into space. So now three long, smooth out-breaths. As the breath returns to its regular flow, you can just imagine inviting your attention inside the body. We're inviting our attention into this moment, into our own body. <clears throat> and I'll just say, if at any point what we're doing feels uncomfortable or it feels too intense, feel free to just open your eyes and disregard the guided instructions. If it's feeling comfortable to you, you can invite the mind into the body with the breath. You can have the intention of really wanting to reconnect with yourself. Whatever happened five minutes ago and 10 minutes ago or however long ago, we reconnect with ourselves now. So hopefully now we're a bit more centered in our body. And now from this, this centered body that's hosting our mind, our centered mind, now we imagine from the base of the spine that we drop a plumb line down through the bench, down through the floor, into the ground, deep, deep, deep into the earth, all the way to the center of the earth. can almost imagine that you feel the pull of this plumb line just connecting you deeply to the center of the earth. The sense of being grounded is one that you can always come back to if you need it. <clears throat> 
And now we'll turn our attention to ourselves, to reconnecting, to having a healing intention toward ourselves. We'll begin with just acknowledging the stress, the anxiety, the shame, even the trauma that we may carry. So if you'd like, you're welcome to take your hands and put them on your heart. Or if you'd like, you can just imagine that your hands, gentle touch on your legs is already a healing and supportive touch. As we really bring our attention to ourselves, we can imagine our attention goes to the center of our chest, to our heart center. Sort of the emotional center of our being. And if we have a need for healing, especially if we experience shame, which we all do, we can have a sense of longing to be free from that. And we can imagine, in response to that sense of longing, that above the crown of our head there appears a radiant orb of light. It's almost surprising. But it also feels as though it's always been there. So we feel this radiant orb of light. And we feel that it has the capacity to send out beams in all directions. And whatever may have happened to cause us to feel shame in the past or right now. We imagine that the beams of light go out in all directions and they recapture those lost pieces of ourselves. That those stressful or traumatic events caused, these beams capture those lost pieces of ourselves and they draw them back into that orb of light. So each of us has this orb, each of us the orb is receiving all our lost pieces throughout all of space and time. It becomes charged up with whatever it is we need to feel whole. And we welcome in the light from this orb, this light that has the healing and the intention to help us feel whole. We imagine that the light flows down through our crown, flows down through our throat area, flows down through our heart, through the whole middle of our body, down to our deep abdomen. And it flows out through our feet and flows out through our hands until all of us is blessed and healed. And for now, we'll leave the meditation here. But if you can, just imagine that the orb sinks down from above the crown of the head. It sinks down into our heart. And it's going to wait there for us until our attention comes back to it. So we can leave the meditative state. Go on to our next exercise. <coughs>
Thank you, everyone. <clears throat> Excuse me, after that I'm like, <laughs> not just like in public, you know? Um, hello, everyone. Um, thank you so much, Claire. That was amazing. Um, yeah, so I'm Shanti. Um, I am the person who uh, brought the quilts today. Um, I work for an organization called Force. Um, we're an art activist collective that creates actions to um, upset rape culture uh, and change the conversation in this country about sexual violence. Um, the project that you guys uh, are witnessing today is the Monument Quilt. Um, the Monument Quilt is a collection of stories from survivors of rape and abuse. Um, so survivors find out about our project or we bring it to them. Um, they create quilt squares with their stories on them and then um, the, the uh, pieces themselves come back to the studio, which is located in Baltimore, and I coordinate volunteers to um, sew the pieces together into the finished quilts um, that are displayed outside today. Um, so today uh, I brought 10 quilts with me from Baltimore. Um, we currently have about 500 quilts that are finished um, in our studio there. Um, and a lot more in progress. So, and each of those 500 pieces typically has um, four stories on them. Some of them are exceptions, like this one that you see in the middle here. Um, a group created this and they wanted to create the whole big one. So, you know, the rules are flexible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, really thank you all for coming here today. Um, and thanks to Rothko Chapel for inviting me here to speak and inviting me to show the quilts. Um, I always feel really honored to be able to um, to watch other people uh, see the quilts, either for the first time or um, for the hundredth time, um, because they're, you know, they're really striking and meaningful. <laughs> um, excuse me, I'm only gonna look at my phone because I have some notes about what I wanna say. So yeah, um, the Monument Quilt Project was started in 2013. Um, it was started with a Kickstarter campaign, um, and since then, I think we have collected um, over 3,000 stories from survivors all over the country. Um, the quilt itself uh, has been displayed over 50 times. We've had multiple tours, um, so it's um, toured to the West Coast. It's toured the East Coast a few times because we're uh, located in Baltimore, though we're a national organization. Um, one of our most, um, one of the events that um, I always remember is last year on um, Trump's 100th day in office, we did a display on the border of um, El Paso and Juarez. So that was, um, that was the first time I had been to Texas, actually. This is my second time. <laughs> um, and so we had uh, on, you know, we had spelled out not alone with the quilts um, on either side of the border in English and in Spanish. Um, so the reason that we did this event, which we had been um, planning for quite some time, was uh, to draw attention to how um, Trump's immigration policies um, create a site of sexual violence at the border, um, and how uh, immigrant women in particular are at high risk of sexual violence. Um, but yeah, I can back up a little bit and just talk about the project itself. Um, so like I said, organization is called FORCE. The Monument Quilt is one of our projects. Um, Force is made up of three staff members. We're, you know, we're a collective. Um, and then we also have a volunteer leadership team of about 20 members from all over the country who are artists and activists doing their own work. Um, and we all work together to plan the culminating display of the Monument Quilt, um, which is going to occur in 2019, next year. Uh, we're still selecting the exact dates, but it's probably gonna be in May or June. 
Um, and so then we'll be blanketing the National Mall in Washington, D.C. with all of the quilts that we um, will have collected by that time to spell Not Alone. Um, it'll be a three-day event um, with performers um, and, uh, you know, other kinds of spaces going on as well. So it's a big deal, obviously. It's been um, in the making for a long time. Um, and I'll speak a little bit about why we chose the site of the National Mall. Um, so one of the, obviously there's many inspirations for the Monument Quilt project. Um, there's, um, you know, we obviously directly reference uh, the Names Project, which is also known as the AIDS Quilt, which obviously blanketed the National Mall. Um, and so that is one like direct inspiration for this project. Um, the, and uh, the other reason we chose that site, um, there's a book called Trauma and Recovery. It's by Judith Herman, who's a psychiatrist, and she works um, specifically with sexual <coughs> trauma um, survivors. Um, so she discussed how monuments are um, a site of public healing, so and uh, a community site where the public will hold someone's pain even if they don't know the person. So um, when you have a memorial, people who are affected by a trauma can go travel to it. Um, they have a physical site to hold their pain and um, the understanding that their community recognizes what they went through as, um, as a significant experience. Um, and uh, in that way, it's a public healing space. So that was, and um, Judith Herman in her book discussed how there are not, um, there is no monument or public healing space um, that, that I'm familiar with um, for survivors of rape and abuse. So one of the, this project partially came out as a response to that. Um, we believe that survivors deserve public healing space um, to be recognized by our communities um, as having gone through something traumatic that our community should come together to hold. Um, and we also recognize that a lot of times people can't heal without that um, aspect. You can have, ooh, I'm sorry. You can have, um, you know, you can have an individual experience of healing, um, which is what our culture encourages, I think. They say, you know, go to the doctor, um, go to the therapist, and then you can have um, your private experience of healing, which is obviously very important. But um, we believe that there is like a lot more in general to, um, to getting through something that can be so traumatic. And a lot of the time, um, for many people uh, that I've heard this um, from a few people, it wasn't so much the traumatic event itself that caused um, so much damage to themselves or their life, it was how the people around them responded to it because um, people typically or you know, often will respond by not believing, um, by questioning, by, uh, and, I, you know, and I don't know, sometimes those responses come from a negative place, other times they just come from a place where you don't want to believe that something so horrible happened to someone that you care about and you can't really handle it. Um, and so that, you know, all of those things are part of the reason why I think this project is important because we're working to give people the tools to support each other um, when something like this happens. Um, sorry, again, check what I'm working with here. Yeah, and um, so the other, uh, one of the other important aspects of this project is um, it shows us all that we are all affected by this issue. Whether or not you yourself are a survivor, even if you, even if some, you don't know if someone you love is a survivor, when you um, come upon the quilt, it creates a space that um, envelops you. 
That effect is not necessarily with the 10 quilts, but you can imagine with the 500 quilts that you're walking through all of these stories. And they're usually installed like that in a grid, so you're just walking through all of them, and it's a very consuming experience. Um, and what I hope that people uh, come away with after that is, um, is turning inward to themselves and saying, okay, what about, you know, I've seen how much trauma, you know, is contained in this project, but what about this is something, what can I do going forward to make a better world? Um, because it's not, you know, it's, uh, it can be easy to say like, oh, this individual did a bad thing to another person, um, and that's that, but I think this project is asking us to turn to ourselves and say, what did we as a community do to allow this to happen, um, to create an environment where this, um, where this occurred. And we all do have a responsibility to try to protect each other in that way. Um, and especially um, for events like uh, International Women's Day, where we're, um, we're lifting up the work that women has, have done and um, lifting up you know, the things that we've had to go through, we've only gotten anywhere by, by recognizing each other as valuable and by saying, like, I'm not gonna go forward if I can't bring you with me. Um, so I think those are all really important things about this project, and so that's why I'm so honored to be able to have you all witness it today. Um, yeah, I think that's probably enough for me for now, but um, I'm gonna be here. Um, oh yeah, I'll just say how you can participate, I guess. So um, we're still accepting submissions to the Monument Quilt. Um, you are, uh, the submissions close in August, so if you or someone you know wants to submit, I would love to have a submission from you. Um, if you're not a survivor yourself, that's okay. You can write a message of support to other survivors, um, and anybody can do that. Um, we're also working to, like I said, plan the, the culminating display on the National Mall, and that is a big logistical job. So if you know any artists or have any experience with like event planning like that or have any ideas that you think should happen on that day, um, come find me, because that would be awesome. <laughs> it, um, it really is uh, a community project. Um, that uh, brings in a lot of ideas from a lot of different people. Um, and, you know, that, the only, you know, the only reason that it's the project it is today is because we are, um, you know, we like embrace new ideas um, and don't, and you know, I personally definitely don't feel like I know everything that needs to be there on that day for it to be the best event, you know? Um, so that's really important. Um, I think that's pretty much it. But yeah, I'll be here, so please um, ask me questions or come talk to me if you want to talk about anything or find out more about the project. Um, there's other projects that FORCE is working on as well that you might be interested in. Um, yeah, but thank you all so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's so inspiring to hear about that work. <laughs> So our next uh, meditative exercise actually goes really well with this idea of not alone. Um, so what I'd like to do now is um, I'll sound the bell, the singing bowl, and we can all be in silence together. But what I was thinking of for this exercise is a different type of silence. Um, I feel like too often we've learned to be silent about things that we feel ashamed of. So whether we're talking about sexual assault, sexual violence, or just anything else that brings us shame in our lives, it can feel very isolating. So I actually wanted to share a moment of silence and have us go back to connecting with that orb at our heart center that's waiting for us. Um, and, and I'd like to ask you, 
to imagine that your orb now wants to share its beams with everyone else in the room too. So we'll do this silently. If you would like to do that, please feel free. And remember, as those beams pass through you, your entire body is turned to light. You have an infinite amount of light to offer everyone else. So that's the kind of silence we're going to share. We'll just do this for probably about a minute to two minutes. Thank you all. All right, so I know you guys were super excited about the discussion time earlier, so we're about to bring that back again. Um, so a lot of this project is about um, dreaming, you know? Um, it's about believing that a world without rape is um, possible, you know? And it's not only possible, but it's something that we can create. And um, saying otherwise are myths create, um, created by rape culture, that rape is inevitable, that um, you know, it's just human nature for people to attack each other or whatever. Um, we believe that if we dream, we can create a different world, and that from, like, um, from pursuing those things that seem impossible, that's, the, that's where we get to um, a better situation for everyone. <laughs> so um, today, I would like to ask you to turn to someone sitting next to you um, and discuss one of our prompt questions, which sounds like a big question, so if you need to take a minute to think, that's fine. Um, but there's not really a wrong answer. It's just about getting yourself to think um, in a different way. So the question that we're going to be working with today is, what would it take to create a world without rape and abuse? So take a second to think about it. And then I think we're going to have about ten, five or 10 minutes to discuss. Um, take your time. <laughs> Thank you. Forty right now, so we're practically on time. Yeah, like if you figure that we started five minutes late, we're perfect. Yeah, awesome. 
seems unfair to ask you what you think your the answer to this is. Not you're probably a, an expert. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm an expert <laughs> right. in creating a perfect world. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's really powerful. I think what the the like message that the quote brings really is just about listening. You know, listening to each other. I think that that's just, like so powerful, and that I think and I think that the only way that people really understand things like this is through storytelling. You know, because you can tell them statistics or you can tell them. You know, you can try to explain to them how bad it is or whatever, but, um, and I don't blame people for not being able to understand it that way or like not engaging with it that way because I mean, they're right. Like a lot of statistics are shady or lies and like they don't necessarily make sense. Um, you know, it's like, you know, in, in your head you're like, how could they even know that? And like, I don't even care anymore, you know? Or it's um, like so painful to even think about that you just don't want to go there. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, and um, and if you don't hear someone's story, it's easy to make assumptions about them, mm -hmm. and it's easy to say like, oh, that was that's other people, that's not that's not my people, that's other people. So I think that like by you know when people share their own personal story, um, people listen. Then they don't even know that they're listening, um, and it's I think it, it's like it really changes people, and it can change people in such a short amount of time. It's like somebody will tell a five or ten minute story and, and um, everybody who's listening will never forget it for their whole life. Um, I think that's amazing. What about you? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess just from like where I'm situated, I tend to think in terms of like empathy, compassion. I mean, in my like perfect imagined world, like kids would be learning about compassion, yeah. maybe having some kind of like gentle contemplative exercises, like from the time they could go to school. Yeah, it would be, yeah, be, you know, it would be something much better if people learned how to relate to each other instead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really hard to, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to relate to people. It is. <laughs> it's hard even to relate to yourself often, you know, and, and if you're not dealing with your own stuff, it's, you're going to put it on someone else. So, you know, I think both from the point of view of, like, people not raping other people anymore, you know, just, like, that basic empathy of seeing someone else as a person and not an object. Yeah. But then also, like, you know, the way that stories are received and the way that we treat people, I mean, we all need to be more compassionate, you know, and to not let our own discomfort derail, like, the way that yeah. we receive stories, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is just a lesson in, in listening, you know, mm -hmm. and, like, yeah. We have, like, a, like, PDF or whatever on our website called, like, Knowing How to Support Survivors mm -hmm. um, that I really like because it's just a few pages, but it just, like, has, like, some basic stuff on how to listen and also how to, um, you know, how to listen without hurting yourself mm -hmm. when you're hearing something traumatic yeah. Um, yeah. because that, you know, it's, like, yeah, it just creates more harm if you don't know how to, like, close it off or whatever. Yeah. You're more likely to react to the other person badly um, because you're dealing with it yourself, really. Um, so, yeah. Wow, how amazing would it be if, like, in 20 years, like, girls now are in a world where this isn't, like, where there's no, there doesn't need to be a Me Too movement? Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, unimaginable. Yeah. How, how different it would be. Like, I think basically until right now, like, I don't know that I even imagined that. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like the rape culture is not pervasive. Yeah, it's just such a strong myth. And it's understandable. Um, 
Like, well, from a Buddhist view, it's actually not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, well, I don't know. Are you going to believe that, or are you going to try something else? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just a, you yeah. know. Are you going to try to believe something defeatist, or are you going to try to do something more helpful? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, look at Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. Yeah. Like, a dream is powerful. Yeah. Can be powerful. shame to cut them off. <laughs> okay, five more minutes. Sorry, yeah, I guess yeah. we're five minutes behind. Should we ask them to, no, it's not, I mean, there's discussion back and forth. It's not one person over the other. Yeah, I think it's fine. It looks like they're all handling it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I can just start whacking my bell. Cool, perfect. <laughs> that, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, Classroom yeah. teacher style. Get ready to come back to the group, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm sure that that was a lot of rich discussion that was compressed into five to ten minutes. So, um, you know, if uh, please, like, you know, if you connected with someone, you know, continue, you know, continue the conversation another time or continue it at the reception as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I said, dreaming and considering questions like that where the answer seems like, how could I know the answer to that? Or like, how could that, how could anybody know and how could it be possible? Um, talking about it, believing in yourself and like your own intellect, emotional intelligence and that of those around you is how we create a better world. Um, and uh, I would also like to mention one last thing, which is that um, if you liked what you saw today of the Monument Quilt and um, you are affiliated with some sort of organization who would also like to have a display, um, please let me know. Or if you know someone who would like to display some of the quilts. 
um, because we do travel. And um, for me, like I said, it's just so powerful to be able to introduce this project to new people um, and to get people thinking of what it would be like um, to have it be normal to have a public healing space for survivors, um, to have it be normal for, um, to be able to know that you could find support for your community if something happened to you or someone you loved. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Back to Claire. <laughs> thank you. <clears throat> I just want to say also in terms of, you know, the meditative stuff that we're doing this evening, if you want more of it, uh, I'm, I'm from Don Mountain Center for Tibetan Buddhism, and we have, you know, a webpage with a podcast with a lot of guided meditations and a YouTube channel. So if you kind of want to go deeper, um, you're welcome to use all of those resources on our page. And there's a ton of other great, you know, sites and podcasts too. So there's information on the information table out there. Or I'm happy to talk with you afterwards. So let's do another moment of silence, and then we'll kind of fold that into our closing meditation. Um, and so just a reminder, uh, for the moment of silence, we'll kind of do one similar to what we did last time, where you kind of just check back into this orb of light that's waiting for you at your heart center. It hasn't forgotten about itself, even if you have. Um, so you can check back into that orb. And then we're just going to sit together and imagine that that orb is just, you know, first of all, beaming light all through our own bodies and all of our bodies are dissolved to light. Light, by the way, can be whatever color feels healing to you. And then it just beams out to everyone around you. And then in our final meditation, we're going to just open that out to everyone. So you can just find your meditative posture again that's upright but comfortable. Hands resting whatever way is comfortable. If you want to put them on your heart, that's fine. On your legs, that's fine. If you want to imagine that your touch is a healing touch, you can do that. So wherever your hands are, they're healing you. And then we'll just begin with another minute or two of silence before we go back into a guided meditation. So whatever your state of mind may be, you can just invite your attention back into your body again. Whether your orb was brilliant and radiating in all directions, or whether you felt bored, everything is fine. 
We can just begin also by feeling the weight of the body resting on the bench. We can actually pay attention to the way that the bench is supporting us. And allow ourselves to relax, to be held and supported by this bench. And of course, the bench rests on the floor, which rests on the earth herself. So ultimately, we're receiving this support from Mother Earth. We have permission to relax. What happens if you give yourself permission to relax? Does your lower back loosen up a little bit? Do your shoulders just gently relax down? Does your jaw release some of its tension? Do you feel that your eyes are looser, more relaxed, more ready to be kind? So whatever happens, we just invite ourselves to take this time and give ourselves permission to relax. So we'll just spend a moment imagining with the in-breath, if you like, that we're breathing in supportive energy. Imagining with the out-breath, if you like, that we're releasing <clears throat> any obstacles to a deep, kind, gentle connection with ourselves. We'll just breathe in this way for, again, maybe a minute or two. If you find that your mind is really racing during this time, you can just come back to the image or to the feeling of the base of your body just being drawn almost as if you could feel a line all the way to the center of the earth. Breathing in supportive energy, releasing all of the obstacles to being a kind friend to ourselves. Now with the in-breath, we're still breathing in supportive energy from the space around us. We're breathing in the energy that everyone else in the room is sharing with us from their open heart. But now with the out-breath, see if you can imagine releasing any obstacles to being a good, kind friend to those around you. It might be that your mind puts images or feelings on whatever's coming out with your outbreath. Maybe it's judgment that keeps us from being a kind friend to those around us. <clears throat> Maybe it's a sense of depletion, not enough time or energy, 
So whatever it is, you just imagine it leaving your body with the out-breath and dissolving into light. And to close this meditation, we'll return to the feeling or the image of this orb of light at our heart center. And this orb of light at the end of the day is not something other than ourselves. This orb of light is like our own deepest potential for love, compassion, and connection. It's not our ordinary mind or our ordinary self. It has an infinite amount of loving, kind connection to offer to ourselves and others. So we've already imagined this orb of light at our heart center filling our entire body with light. If you'd like, you can check back into that image and refresh that sense of just beams of light spreading through your entire body and dissolving every single cell into light. Again, whatever color of light feels healing to you. And from this body made of light, we imagine just spontaneously wanting to share this with everyone else in the room. So we send these beams to everyone else sitting in this room right now. And we receive the beams from everyone else. Somehow in our silence, we're creating community community that hopefully will help us connect to each other afterwards. And now, it's almost as though inside this room we've created a giant orb of light filling the entire space. And we imagine that this orb of light sends its beams throughout all of Houston, touching every single person in this city. Every single person dissolves into light. And then they help us spread these beams of light out through the entire state. Everyone in Texas dissolved to light. Everyone in the entire U.S., even people whose political views we hate. Every single one of us dissolves to light together. Because at the end of the day, we're all just made of light. And we imagine our light beaming through the entire planet so that every person, every animal, even the earth herself, everything dissolves into light. And now the earth sends these beams throughout all of time, all of space, touching every living being in the galaxy and the universe. And from this vast vision, we come back to Houston, we come back to this room, we come back to our own body. And if you'd like, before we close this meditation, you can just make the intention, may we all together create a world that is full of compassion, that has no room for hatred, that has no room for 
victimizing others. May we all together create the world that we imagined tonight. Thanks, y'all. So I'd like to thank you all once more for being here tonight, and thank you to Claire and to Shanti for their contributions. I would like to invite you all to hold your conversation. It's clear that we don't have any shortage in our ability to converse with this group. So if you don't mind just making your way out on the plaza before you start talking with each other and with our presenters so that we can close down the space. Um, outside, we have refreshments. You can go partake in the quilts if you haven't had an opportunity to look at them. Uh, there's an opportunity for you to contribute to the quilts. And we also have a lot of information from our various community organizations who partnered with us uh, for this program tonight. So you can learn about uh, the many services that are around Houston serving women. So thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.